Why is there suffering? That's a tough question. But Sue Boland shares with you the great and even eternal value of suffering. Now, on Probe. Among the many reasons God allows us to suffer, this is my personal favorite. It prepares us to be the radiant bride of Christ. The Lord Jesus has a big job to do, changing his ragamuffin church into a glorious bride worthy of the Lamb. Ephesians 5 tells us he is making us holy by washing us with the word, presenting us to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. Suffering develops holiness in unholy people, but getting there is painful in the Lord's laundry room. When you use bleach to get rid of stains, it's a harsh process. Getting rid of wrinkles is even more painful. Ironing means a combination of heat plus pressure. Ouch! No wonder suffering hurts. But developing holiness in us is a worthwhile, extremely important goal for the Holy One who is our Divine Bridegroom. We learn in Hebrews 12.10 that we are enabled to share in His holiness through the discipline of enduring hardship. More ouch! Fortunately, the same book assures us that discipline is a sign of God's love. Oswald Chambers reminds us that God has one destined end for mankind, holiness. His one aim is the production of saints. The Lord Jesus has his work cut out for him in purifying us for himself. Let's face it, left to ourselves, we are a dirty, messy, fleshly people, and we desperately need to be made pure. Jesus wants not just a pure bride, but a mature one as well, and suffering produces growth and maturity in us. James 1 reminds us that trials produce perseverance, which makes us mature and complete. And Romans 5 tells us that we can actually rejoice in our sufferings because, again, they produce perseverance, which produces character, which produces hope. The Lord is creating for himself a bride with sterling character, but it's not much fun getting there. We usually don't have much trouble understanding that our divine bridegroom loves us, but we can easily forget how much he longs for us to love him back. Suffering scoops us out, making our hearts bigger so we can hold more love for him. Tomorrow we'll see that suffering allows us to minister comfort to others who suffer. You've been listening to Probe with your host, Sue Bolin. Are you struggling with suffering? To help you get through it and understand its value, get your free copy of Sue's transcript, The Value of Suffering, at probe.org. Then join us next time as we experience the grace and truth of God here on Probe. One of the most rewarding reasons that suffering has value is experienced by those who can say with conviction, I know how you feel. I've been in your shoes. Suffering prepares us to minister comfort to others who suffer. Feeling isolated is one of the hardest parts of suffering. It can feel like you're all alone in your pain, and that makes it so much worse. The comfort of those who have known that same pain is inexpressible. It feels like a warm blanket being draped around your soul. But in order for someone to say those powerful words, I know just how you feel because I've been there, that person had to walk through the same difficult valley first. My husband Ray and I lost our first baby when she was born too premature to survive. It was the most horrible suffering we've ever known. But losing Becky has enabled me to weep with those who weep, with the comforting tears of one who has experienced that deep and awful loss. 
It's a wound that, by God's grace, has never fully healed, so I can truly empathize with others out of the very real pain I still feel. Talking about my loss puts me in touch with the unhealed part of the grief and loss that will always hurt until I see my daughter again in heaven. One of the most incredibly comforting things we can ever experience is someone else's tears for us. So when I say to a mother or father who has also lost a child, I hurt with you because I've lost a precious one too, my tears bring warmth and comfort in a way that someone who has never known that pain cannot offer. One of the most powerful words of comfort I received when we were grieving our baby's loss was from a friend who said, you know, your pain may not just be about you. It may well be about other people, preparing you to minister comfort and hope to someone in your future who's going to need what you can give them because of what you're going through right now. That perspective was like a sweet balm to my soul. Suffering often develops compassion and mercy in us. Those who suffer tend to have tender hearts toward others who are in pain. We can comfort others with the comfort that we have received from God, that's in 2 Corinthians 1, because we have experienced the reality of the Holy Spirit being there for us, walking alongside us in our pain, and then we can turn around and walk alongside others in their pain. Tomorrow we'll be looking at how suffering helps us develop dependence on God. Marine Corps recruiter Randy Norfleet survived the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing despite losing 40% of his blood and needing 250 stitches to close his wounds. He never lost consciousness in the ambulance because he was too busy praying prayers of thanksgiving for his survival. When doctors said he would probably lose the sight in his right eye, Mr. Norfleet said, Losing an eye is a small thing. Whatever brings you closer to God is a blessing. Through all this, I've been brought closer to God. I've become more dependent on Him and less on myself. Suffering is excellent at teaching us humble dependence on God, the only appropriate response to our Creator. Ever since the fall of Adam, we keep forgetting that God created us to depend on Him and not on ourselves. We keep wanting to go our own way, pretending that we're God. Suffering is powerfully able to get us back on track. But sometimes we hurt so much we can't even pray. We are forced to depend on the intercession of the Holy Spirit and other believers, needing them to go before the throne of God on our behalf. Instead of seeing that inability to pray as a personal failure, we can rejoice that our perception of being totally needy corresponds to the truth that we really are that needy. 2 Corinthians 1.9 tells us that hardships and sufferings happen so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Suffering brings a one-day-at-a-timeness to our survival. We get to the point of saying, Lord, I can only make it through today if you help me, if you take me through today, or the next hour, or even the next few minutes. One of my dearest friends shared with me the prayer from a heart burning with emotional pain. Papa, I know I can make it through the next 15 minutes if you hold me and walk me through it. Suffering has taught my friend the lesson of total, humble dependence on God. I absolutely love this paraphrase of Romans 8.28 that a friend gave me when our baby girl was dying in the neonatal intensive care unit. It stayed in my Bible for 20 years. The Lord may not have planned that this should overtake me, but He has most certainly permitted it. Therefore, though it were an attack of an enemy, by the time it reaches me, it has the Lord's permission, and therefore all is well. He will make it work together with all life's experiences for good. 
Tomorrow we'll examine how suffering displays God's strength through our weakness. The classic scripture for the concept that suffering displays God's strength through our weakness is found in 2 Corinthians 12, 8-10, where we learn that God's grace is sufficient for us, for His power is perfected in weakness. Our culture disdains weakness, but our frailty is a sign of God's workmanship in us. It gets us closer to what we were created to be, completely dependent on God. Several years ago, I realized that instead of despising the fact that polio had left me with a body that was weakened and compromised, susceptible to pain and fatigue, I could choose to rejoice in it. My weakness made me more like a fragile, easily broken window than a solid brick wall. But just as sunlight pours through a window but is blocked by a wall, I discovered that other people could see God's strength and beauty in me because of the window-like nature of my weakness. Consider how the Lord Jesus was the exact representation of the glory of the Father. I mean, he was all window and no walls. He was completely dependent on the Father, choosing to become weak so that God's strength could shine through him. And he was the strongest person the world has ever seen, not in his own strength. He displayed the Father's strength because of that very weakness. Sometimes our suffering isn't a consequence of our actions or even someone else's. God is teaching other beings about himself and his loved ones, us, as he did with Job. The point of Job's trials was to enable heavenly beings to see God glorified in Job. Sometimes he trusts us with great pain in order to make a point, whether the intended audience is believers, unbelievers, or the spirit realm. Quadriplegic Johnny Erickson Tata, no stranger to great suffering, writes, Whether a godly attitude shines from a brain-injured college student or from a lonely man relegated to a back bedroom, the response of patience and perseverance counts. God points to the peaceful attitude of suffering people to teach others about Himself. He not only teaches those we rub shoulders with every day, but He instructs the countless millions of angels and demons. The hosts in heaven stand amazed when they observe God sustain hurting people with His peace. Tomorrow, how suffering gets us ready for heaven. Suffering teaches us the difference between the important and the transient. It prepares us for heaven by teaching us how unfulfilling life on earth is and helping us develop an eternal perspective. Suffering makes us homesick for heaven. I have an appreciation of heaven gained from a different experience. As my body weakens from the lifelong impact of polio, to be honest, I have a deep frustration with it that makes me grateful for the perfect, beautiful, completely working resurrection body waiting for me on the other side. My husband once told me that heaven is more real to me than anyone he knows. Suffering has done that for me. Paul explained what happens in 2 Corinthians 4. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Suffering reminds us that we live in an abnormal world. Suffering is abnormal. Our souls protest, this isn't right! We need to be reminded that we are living in the post-fall phase two. 
the perfect phase one of God's beautiful, suffering-free creation was ruined when Adam and Eve sinned. So often people wonder what kind of cruel God would deliberately make a world so full of pain and suffering. They've lost track of history. The world God originally made isn't one we experience. Suffering can make us long for the new heaven and the new earth where God will set all things right again. Sometimes suffering literally prepares us for heaven. Cheryl's in-laws, both beset by lingering illnesses, couldn't understand why they couldn't just die and get it over with. But after three long years of holding on, during a visit from Cheryl's pastor, the wife trusted Christ on her deathbed and the husband received assurance of his salvation. A week later, the wife died, followed in six months by her husband. They had continued to suffer because of God's mercy and patience, who did not let them go before they were ready for heaven. Suffering puts things in their proper perspective. That's what suffering will do for us. Trials are light and momentary inflictions, but God redeems them all.